Good afternoon, good evening everyone and welcome to the podcast and today we're joined by specialist sport and MSK Dr Lorenzo Maschi. So Lorenzo, thank you very much for joining. Thank you uh, very much for having me. No problem. So before this, I will say I'm springing it on him, but he's told me that he can't believe anyone is interested in hearing, <laughs> hearing anything about his life. But I've insisted that there definitely will be a lot of people interested. Well, the legal aspects. <laughs> <laughs> but no, thank you for joining. And we first met in adverted commas last year, but I've, yeah. I've come across your name a lot. But I'd be really intrigued to just know where you're from originally um you obviously can pick up on the accent but yeah sorry about where you're from so i well obviously born in australia i i um i have italian heritage so my my parents uh, are both italian and they came over well they they moved with with my grandfather and 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 grandmother uh, over to from italy so it was just after the war uh, there was mass uh, immigration outside, out, out of Europe, and and my family for some reason picked um, Brisbane of all of all places. But we ended up there, um, and uh, and really, and that's where I grew up. I grew up in inner city Brisbane uh, in the in the mid mid to late seventies, eighties, uh, and uh, went to school there, obviously, and and then decided, of course, on. On, uh, on medicine, so that was um, after school, um, was, was where I went into. Um, yeah, so what prompted that then? What, why, why medicine? Have you, do you have a background in that from the family? Uh, no, actually, no, my parents are, are working class. Um, I don't know why, really. I just, I just sort of had an interest in it, and I thought, you know, looking back at it, I thought, you know, I, I, I enjoy sort of biological science, uh, and, you know, I was 16 at the time when I went, you know, because I actually started school early. I, I, I graduated when I was 16 and, and really you don't really know what you want to do at 16. So, you know, my, and this is the way I looked at life in general, just give it a go. And, you know, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out and I can always do something else. So I decided, you know, I'll give it a go. Um, and I started med school at, um, I, I literally went to the university. I was 16 years old, started med school. So it was quite, quite an interesting experience. Um, but you know, I, I I really didn't really think about it, and I and really, you know, would you ask a sixteen-year-old, you know, what what about careers, uh, you know, or, or, or about you know what what you think you should do? Probably not. So uh, I sort of just fell into it, thinking, you know, I'll see how it goes, and if it doesn't if it doesn't work out, I don't like it. I'll just I'll just move on to something else. And that, that's really been my mantra throughout my whole life, really. Right. So so is the to clarify, so in Australia, then is it eighteen the same as here that you would normally go to university? Then, so back back when I when I went to school, it was actually that you started school quite early. So I was sort of just turned four, and then and then uh, you know by the time I finished school, it was sixteen. I was sixteen going on seventeen, um, uh, going to university. So I, I think it's, it was a little bit younger. I think they've changed it now. They've made it. I think it's I think it's a bit older now. But mm. at that time, it was just is because I, I was born at the end of the, of the year. And so I was 16 going on 17, uh, started university just as I turned 17. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was an interesting time. I mean, it was in the sort of late, what's that, late, uh, early 90s when I did med school. And um, I, you know, I wasn't sure what I exactly wanted to do um, as far as, you know, if I wanted to do a specialisation or general, general practice. 
but I also always had the interest of sports and exercise medicine. Um, you know, I always kept fit. I played a lot of sport. Um, wasn't particularly, you know, a devout sportsman, but I played a lot of tennis and just kept fit and liked, liked physical uh, education and um, just enjoyed sort of biological sciences and, and then through medicine, I always enjoyed, you know, the, the musculoskeletal side, the, the, the fitness, exercise, physiology side of, of, um, of, of medicine. In fact, I wanted to do human movements. Uh, when I was in med school thinking, God, I'd like to do human movements. That would be really fascinating to learn about the muscles and how the biomechanics and, and, and lots of different areas. And so, you know, I finished med school and then really in, in Australia, what you do, and I think it's similar here, is where you, you become a house officer and you, you move through rotations. And I, um, I thought about orthopedics uh, for a little while, but I just didn't really, and that back in the 90s, didn't really enjoy the culture of orthopedics that much. And I just didn't think it would suit me as a, as a profession. So I quickly gave that a, squir a swerve. And then it was interesting. I then decided to, to do some general practice. But at that time, and that was sort of, you know, near 2000, um, sports and exercise medicine was really uh, coming to the fore in, in, in Australia. So the college there started back in 1985, uh, the Australasian College of uh, Sports Physicians. And, you know, I, I was just one day thinking, you know what, I'm just going to contact them and see, just give it a go and see what they say. And, um, you know, the lady there was really helpful. Uh, she was, she was the, um, the chairwoman, I think, of, of the college and you know we we're discussing you know how how you'd, you'd go in a in a career in sports and exercise medicine and she said well you have to sit a part one exam and and after you sit a part one exam then you apply to the college and so forth so I thought I just woke up one day and thought yep I want to do that I'm going to do that now so I started studying for this exam and it, and it actually took six months to to uh, actually prepare for this multi-choice exam part one it was quite it's a very very difficult exam and, you know, I was thinking to myself, do I really want to do this? And I, I didn't really even think twice. I thought, yeah, I actually do want to do this. I, I want to, this is sort of the career that I want, want to get into. And in that time, actually, sports and exercise medicine wasn't particularly prominent. Um, and there were a lot of doubts about whether you could get jobs um, as SEM consultants. Um, and even in Australia, it wasn't recognised as a specialty. But, you know, I thought... I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go for it. And if it doesn't work out, I'll just do something else. I'm sure there'll be something else that I'll fall into. So I I, I did the exam, passed the exam, and, and then applied to the college and, and then got a position uh, in Melbourne. So uh, from that point, I, I then decided just to move from Brisbane. Um, there were no positions in Brisbane at the time um, uh, when I applied. So uh, I I then all of my stuff, I was I, I didn't have any dependents at the time, and just moved uh, to um, to Melbourne. So I started uh, training in sports medicine in Melbourne. Mm. So Melbourne, arguably the sports capital of the world, that is just yeah. incredible. I mean, Melbourne, just absolutely amazing. Uh, I mean, it's an amazing city, but it, for sports and exercise medicine, I would argue probably one of the eminent places to do sports and exercise medicine. I mean, literally, I was surrounded by experts, world experts in different areas, you know, hip and groin. Uh, you know, there was a sports physician who was 
Karen Holzer, who was expert in exercise-induced asthma. And then you've had, you've got this plethora of expert physiotherapists. Uh, I, I was lucky enough to work in, um, you know, Olympic Park sports medicine, Alphington sports medicine. I, I basically worked everywhere. And uh, it was interesting, each, each clinic had their own little specialization. So Alphington um, had their specialization in basketball and, and dance medicine and gymnastics. And then, so I'd work there, say, in the morning, and then in the afternoon, I'd go to Olympic Park Sports Medicine, where the emphasis there was on athletics and Australian football and rugby. So you'd get this, um, this such diversity of training. It was absolutely amazing. And, um, you know, I, I owe really my career to um, really the, the, the sports medicine community in Melbourne and particularly Olympic Park Sports Medicine, uh, and and Alphington Sports Medicine uh, got a really really good grounding. Absolutely loved it, um, and um, and it was just just fantastic training. So was it difficult to get a place there coming down down from Brisbane? Or was it competitive? I at the time I sort of I was a little bit lucky because I didn't have a lot of training in sports medicine. I must say I did I did spend some time with sports medicine physicians in Brisbane didn't have a lot of time and it was a little bit political because obviously they would pick and choose their own, um, you know, people from Melbourne and Sydney. But, you know, I impressed the interviewers enough to, to squeak through the process and, and they offered me a job in Melbourne. They said, well, you know, we don't have a position in, in Brisbane, but I think, you know, you, you've got a position and do you want to move to Melbourne? And I, I just said, yes, I'll move. I, mean, I, I didn't, didn't worry me where I, I moved to really because uh, I knew that this is the career I wanted to choose. So, um, so I did, so it was just interesting, the, the medical training there, the sports medicine training was four years and you had to do a year outside of Melbourne to get to move. So I moved to Canberra and, uh, and spent some time um, at the Australian Institute of Sport um, and clinics uh, associated with the Australian Institute of Sport, which was again, a fantastic experience and being around, um, you know, really, experts and world experts in in areas of sports and exercise medicine um, and did a year in Canberra um, and that and that was fun too you know change change of scenery change of people different sort of um, different approaches um, uh, I worked a bit in the hospital there as well and A&E in the MSK department and that was quite interesting so I was a bit more senior then so I had a bit more knowledge so, I mean, overall, I mean, I think the training in Australia was just fantastic. And, um, and uh, you know, it, it really gave me a good grounding for, uh, you know, my, my career in, in sports medicine. Mm -hmm. So that, that finished um, sort of 2005, 2006. Uh, and it was, it was quite interesting. I was, I was set on a, a position in, as a consultant in Melbourne and... Um, I got a call one day from uh, an Aussie chap called Andrew Willett. So Andrew, uh, he, at the time, was the founder and CEO of a clinic called Pure Sports Medicine. And they have quite, and you've probably heard of Pure Sports Medicine, they have quite a lot of clinics uh, in central London. And uh, I got a call from Andrew uh, Willett, uh, and he wanted to know whether we would, he, we want, or I wanted to meet up with him just for a quick chat about a potential place in, uh, or some work opportunities in London. 
And I knew that Andrew at the time, Andrew Willard, and certainly my colleagues were talking about pure sports medicine and how they were setting up practices to emulate uh, the, the setup in Melbourne. So and the, the, the multidisciplinary sports medicine clinics, we have doctors and physios and podiatrists and dietitians working together. So, you know, I was, I was interested in, in, in that. So I remember, <laughs> I remember the day I met Andrew, I was, I was in a bit of a, bit of a, a, a fluster and I think patient was late or something was happening. And, and, uh, and uh, I sort of ran upstairs because I was a little bit late and, and uh, I, I said hi and I saw this guy with a typical Aussie guy with really shaggy hair and he said, hi, I'm Andrew. And it was quite interesting. I said, hi, you know, and we discussed the um, opportunity in London. And, and, I, and at that point I thought, you know what, I'll just give it a go. I mean, I, there's an opportunity there to take again. I'll just, uh, I'll go with it and see what happens. Um, and, and so Andrew said to me, look, why don't you come over for, uh, to London and just check out the, the clinic and, and meet a few of the other people um, the, a few of the directors there and I thought you know I'll just go to London for the weekend <laughs> and just I had to I had to actually also get my GMC um, GMC um, uh, I had to put in my GMC application and you had to go there in person to do that uh, and at that time they were a little bit strict about um, GMC and and you couldn't apply for it uh, online you had to actually show up in person to present yourself so I actually went to London for a whole weekend, just for a weekend, to meet up with the team at Pure Sports and to get my GMC um, uh, recognition. Uh, and so I, I thought to myself, why am I doing this? This is just nuts. I'm just, I'm literally going to London for a whole weekend, flying in Friday, flying out Monday, uh, to, to go to some place that I probably will never go um, to get some GMC recognition and spending a couple of thousand dollars uh, on a flight. Um, but I thought, I, you know, it feels good. I, 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 this feels right, uh, something's, something's right about it. I'll just go with it. And, you know, if it doesn't work out, then it's been a free trip to, not a free trip, but a trip to London, which was fantastic. Yeah, did you, like, was there anything in particular that Andrew had said that made you thought it was gonna be an exciting opportunity? Uh, not really, I mean, I, I and it was it, it, not not particularly. I mean, he he, uh, you know, he he's very charming and uh, very persuasive and very encouraging. Um, and so I, there was nothing particularly in what he said. I just thought, you know what, I'll just give it a go. I mean, I, I finished sports medicine. My view was I'll probably go for a year or two, and then I'll just I'll just. Um, uh, come home and and restart my 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 career and build up my networks and so forth. I, I really wanted to to spend my idea of coming here was not just work but also to experience living in in the UK and living in Europe and travelling in Europe and and that was you know at least fifty percent of the reason why I was coming over because I thought if I didn't do it now I probably would never do it and certainly if I had a family or you know settled down it would be more difficult to move so. I just made the decision that I'd go and, and it, it was just a confluence of factors and it just went in my favour, actually. And uh, uh, so, so it was quite interesting. I, I went on in March and, and, and I was thinking, look, you know, I'll probably spend another year in Melbourne because I was working at that time, um, working for the Melbourne Storm um, rugby, rugby league team. Uh, that was really the first team I started working for. Uh, and I had to finish the season and um, 
uh, and so sort of waiting for that to happen. Um, you know, I, I had a, a great career in, in Melbourne and I could have stayed there and really just continued. I, I was I was working at Australian Open Tennis. I was, I was really lucky to get a place there as, as, a, as a registrar working at uh, the Australian Open. I worked there for seven years and I and that was actually one one thing that I really um, regretted about leaving Melbourne was actually having to give up that opportunity of working at the Australian Open. But I thought after seven years, because I'd been working there for seven years or six years, I thought that was probably time to, to move on and do something different. Mm. I was working at uh, Melbourne's, Melbourne Storm Rugby, so I worked in the Rugby League. I also did a year in Australian football um, in Australia. So it was 2000 and it was about 14 years ago, 13 and a half years ago that Andrew said, you've got to come now, otherwise, um, I think he said, otherwise I'll give the job to someone else or, you know, we need, we need someone now. So I, I thought, okay, well, well, that's it. Let's go. So off I went, <laughs> uh, you know, just by myself, packed my bags, um, said goodbye to family, friends, and one way ticket to London thinking, what the hell have I done? <laughs> uh, and arriving here and thinking, shit, what have I done? <laughs> Uh, I mean, London's a tough city, right? So it's interesting. Culturally, um, we think Australians and, and, and the Brits are similar, but actually the cultures are very, very different. And it took me a while to sort of get used to the nuances of, of British culture. Um, there's some really good things about it and then some things that, you know, I, I was a bit confused about. So it took me a little while, but I was definitely in culture shock for about three months, um, and, and then and then settled in, and it was it was good. And I started working at Pure Sports Medicine. Which I based at? Where, where were you based with them? Primarily based at Kensington, but they moved me around a bit, which was fantastic. I went to I, was, I worked at their Threadneedle Clinic, and then I worked a little bit at Canary Wharf, and and uh, um, and you know they're they're a fantastic group. Um, fantastic group of clinicians and physios and it was it was really good time I mean my my, my favorite time was really Canary Wharf where we had we had such a great group of practitioners at the time this was almost 10 years ago um, we had we had Australian um, receptionists who were just absolutely bonkers they were crazy and and it was just like going to work and, and it being a party day every day uh, you know, it was serious stuff. We'd see patients, but at the same time, uh, we we would have uh, quite a good time, and it, it was it was very good, and I really enjoyed myself. Uh, you know, you know, I I, I had lots of opportunities, um, and that's the thing about I think work in in the UK. People say, "Why are you here?" I think in the UK, there is a plethora of opportunities, and I think you'd probably see it with your work, Andy. Is you know. Australia is quite isolated in, in a lot of ways. And it's only when you move out of Australia that you realise how isolating working in Australia is. And really in the UK, in the UK living in London and, and working in the UK, you're exposed to so many different points of view and not just in the UK, but also in Europe, um, that it's, it, it's hard to be isolated and, and you're exposed to lots of different um, you know, opportunities. And, you know, for example, at Pure, I, I, I was lucky enough, and it was just pure luck, really. I was lucky enough to get a position at Fulham Football Club. I worked there for three years. That was fantastic experience. I worked with 
really good sports physician, Steve Lewis, who um, who was the, the primary sports doctor there and had a great time. Um, you know, Fulham Football Club at the time, and they're in the premiership at the moment, but we're going through, you know, a um, bit of a difficult time, but it, it was it a was fantastic experience, fantastic to be involved in football and uh, soccer at that time. Um, and I had a great time. And then, and then also, um, uh, you know, meeting up and, and then ended up working with uh, Professor Hawken Alfredson, who at, it was quite, again, it was a bit of luck there where I started working at Pure and, and, and Andrew Willett and Pure had asked um, Professor Alfredson, who is a you know, well-renowned tendon expert to just to start consulting um, at Pure as well. Uh, he, he used to come in every six to eight weeks and, and do a tendon clinic. And, and I, I just said to Andrew, you know, I want to work with um, Hawken if I can. And, and that's where we started this fantastic working relationship. And now, now really a friendship, um, you know, he's a great, a great friend and, and fantastic practitioner. Mm-hmm. And so that's where my interest in tendons really started. Actually, it started before that because I actually worked at a clinic uh, in Melbourne at Alfington Sports Medicine. And that was really where Jill Cook, uh, Ebony Rio, Peter Maliaris, these are all big names in tendons. And, you know, I was just lucky enough to be a, you know, small time registrar, um, you know, training uh, sports medicine practitioner, working with these massive big names, even at that time, this was 20 years ago, you know, and Jill at that time was doing, was talking about tendinopathy and, 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 and really the principles, while they've changed, the principles have been fairly similar. So I, I fairly similar back then. So I was really lucky enough to work with um, some of the big names in, in certainly in Australia in, in, in tendinopathy and also in other areas as well. Um, but, but my interest then changed when, when I started working with Hawk and Albertson and, and that's where you know, I got involved in a bit more research and, um, you know, we obviously dealing with lots of sort of innovative procedures for, for tendons and, um, you know, published now probably about 15 to 20 papers with, with Alfredson. So, and then that, that was a, a really fantastic experience. And that was primarily because of, I mean, if you trace it back, it really was Andrew Willett that, and Pure Sports Medicine that, that gave me the opportunity. Mm. Uh, really really good you know it was just a confluence of factors bit of luck maybe being in the right place at the right time um yeah so that's 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 sort of what happened um and it and as (laughs) so it keeps going and then and then at at that time i decided so done three years of uh, fulham football club the relationship had ended between pure and and fulham and at that time it sort of stepped in and again it was a little bit of luck where a job came up at Wasp Rugby and uh, as a, for a sports physician, and, and I sort of jumped onto that. And so I ended up spending um, five or six years at Wasp Rugby. So by the end of it, I'd done all the different codes of, of rugby and football, Australian football, rugby league, rugby union, and um, and and football. Uh, you know, proper football. <laughs> so uh, I'd, I'd actually done the. the the full codes, uh, and then I decided to hang my boots up a couple of years ago. Um, London uh, Wasp Wasp decided to move up to Coventry, and it was too hard for me to to do it. So, was that a conscious well, decision then for you to move into different sports, or was that circumstance, or what was it? I think it was. I think it was just circumstance. I mean, I think 
you know, I, I, you just take the, I think it's just take the opportunities that present to you. Um, I think you grab them and, um, you know, I, I just went with it. Yeah. And, uh, and really enjoyed it. And I think, I think it gets better as you get more experience. That's the key. So I remember doing rugby league uh, at Melbourne Storm and that, I mean, that was just a fantastic experience, but really I was very junior at the time. And, and, you know, thinking back, if I, you know, thinking back of what I used to do then, I was thinking to myself, God, I took so many risks uh, that I wouldn't take now. And it's just, just as a result of, of, of knowing a lot more and, 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 and experience and, and knowing, you know, knowing when to take the risks and not when to take the risks. So you, you, you become a little bit tempered in your risk taking as far as, you know, can a player play? Uh, you know, can you do an injection? Um, you know, what other treatments can you do? Can you rush them back? Can you not rush them back? So forth and so on. So just experience based on experience. Yeah, and then um, you mentioned the Australian Open there. So, someone who you're a tennis mm-hmm. fan, what was that like going in? And that was, I mean, I was, oh, I was, I was the Open in 2002, so I, I know how amazing the tournament is. You went to, you went, yeah, went okay. to have a look, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, uh, it, it, Aussie Open's an amazing tournament, um, and uh, and I, I, you know, I'm a passionate tennis tennis fan and player. I used to play a lot of tennis. Um, it was, it was. I, I was the I remember the first year I was like, oh my god, you know, you sort of in that was really the only time that I've been in awe of the people around me and and uh, and 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 really yeah in awe of of athletes generally. I mean, I, I'm a little bit better now. I'm, I'm I can take it or leave it. But back then it was like, oh my god, you know, there's you know, all these tennis stars just 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 moving around. Um, but that was that was amazing. I mean, it, in essence, what we what we do is we don't really do that much. We just look after them, patch them up, and decide whether they they can play or not. But just being part of the whole the whole centre and seeing how it works is just just amazing. I, I can imagine Wimbledon being even more on a grander scale than um, than, than the Aussie Open. I actually managed to um, it was quite as as working with Australian Open. I got to got to, to visit the Aussie Open uh, as well and, and and went into the French as well. So we just just through connections. So it was, it was a really good experience being able to to get to get back seats in in um, a lot of those little uh, those big big open tournaments. So. Yeah absolutely I mean, what you would have timed that exactly with the rise of Nadal and Federer really. So could you yeah. have an interpretation of like seeing them come through? It was amazing, you know. You, you would see Nadal. I mean, Nadal was was quite young at the time, but it, it was it was Nadal, and it was actually the same time as um, you know the, the Williams sisters were. I mean, they're still big now. Uh, still, maybe not so much Venus Williams, but Serena Williams was. Yeah, that was she was dominating at the time, and and I and also because <laughs> my childhood idol was sort of Martina Navratilova, and she was still playing doubles at the time. And that was like just amazing to see her play because you know I was still very young when when she dominated the scene. So it was it was just it was fascinating and just seeing them interact with each other and how they do that. Pretty you know, tennis players are a pretty relaxed bunch, really. I mean everyone's sort of relaxed and it's uh, in general anyway compared to other sports. But really, it was really really good experience. Um, uh, and uh, you know part of, one of the regrets of, of I think moving to London and having to give that up, unfortunately. Mm. Way it is. Did you see any differences in terms of the athletes, in terms of the way they were? You said the tennis players were relaxed. You've gone through like rugby, Aussies, uh, oh, 
different breed altogether. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's one of the it's one of the interesting aspects of working in elite sport. I think is that every sport, every single sport, like I worked in, I worked in um, weightlifting. So that was interesting. <laughs> uh, interesting bunch of people in weightlifting. Um, I worked also in judo. Did a bit of work in judo. Um, what else did I do? Um, Few, few others lacrosse so I did some work in lacrosse just just getting to know and it's interesting every sport even if you take rugby and rugby league and, and football and Australian football every sport has a different culture and you have to adapt to that culture depending on the sport so I'll give you an example like with rugby league literally you'd have to the players just want to play so irrespective of the injury and you know, they could have half their face falling off you know, they could have a broken leg. They just want to play, and you literally have to drag them off the field or, or tell them, "No, you cannot get on the field." So, so they all all their focus is on playing, and that that's a challenge because often they hide injuries, and so you often find injuries. By the time you find injuries, they've often you know completely torn their hamstring or they've completely torn their soleus muscle because they've just kept pushing on. So, so these guys are tough. I mean, I think rugby league is really the toughest sport. I, apart from women's gymnastics, I think women's gymnastics is also pretty tough. Um, you know, some tough women in, in that sport and, and men. But, but, but as, as far as the contact sports are concerned, rugby league is really at the pinnacle. And then you've got, and then you've got which is often quite crazy because you're dealing with, um, you know, athletes that, that sometimes you just think, I'm not sure if, you know they're, they're real people i mean they just they just cop a lot of abuse and uh, but you know physical physical harm and they're able to push on i think to play rugby league you need to be tough you just need to just need to have that toughness if you don't you just fall by the wayside as a teenager you just don't play and then and then you know you've got rugby which is the guys want a bit more explanation about their injuries. They want to talk about the pros and cons about, you know, what are the side effects and have to, yeah. So, so it's quite interesting. You have to play that game of, of, of giving them the, the, the perception of, of making decisions, which they are, they ultimately they are making decisions. And then you've got, um, you know, football, which is, you know, probably one of my least favorite because it's very political and you're often you're not making decisions based on the medicine you're making decisions based on you know what their agent says that they should do and and so there's all there's yeah it's it's it I, probably my least favorite out of all sports and that was just primarily because I just didn't didn't really I mean I enjoyed I enjoyed watching for I played football as, as a kid I enjoyed watching it and you know it's it's spectacular watching a good game of football but but the politics can be quite draining and and then you've got Australian football which is sort of a mix of all of them together um, and different injury and each of them have different injuries as well so uh, you know football is different to, to Australian football which is different to rugby which is different to rugby league um, so it, it, it's quite fascinating and they have their own little specific injuries as well that are that I um you know, that, you know, for example, with Australian football, you tend to get a bit more groiny overload um, issues. Uh, rugby, rugby league is more trauma related, although you can get abuse issues. So it's all quite challenging. And, I, you know, working through all those codes, you do definitely develop experience in managing a host of spectrum of injuries um, uh, over, over, you know, over, over many sports. And it's very, you know, elite sport is very good training, for, I think, 
if you want to be a sports and exercise medicine practitioner, I think you know doing some contact sport is certainly worth worth a while, worth worth your while. Um, certainly rugby and rugby league because um, you see a plethora of sports medicine and you, you know it's it's never boring there's always something going on be it an injury or you know an infection or there's some issue going on that you have to deal with and and um you know it, it, it can be challenging mm. um, to work in that environment in terms of like your the way you manage those people, uh, do you think you've developed a lot from that uh, that actual social interaction with them and been able to manage them? So, I I think so. Yes. I mean, I you know I would say I'm 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 an introvert and I and I tend to keep to myself a lot, but I think you adapt according to the sport um, a little bit. So, you know, as I said, rugby rugby league tends to be a bit more didactic right this is what you're going to do you're going to do this 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 and this and that's it we're not going to we're not going to compromise on that because if you compromise you'll just play and you'll ruin everything whereas i think rugby and and particularly rugby you need to you need to be you need to discuss the issues with players want to be informed well informed football is a bit of a combination Australian football a bit of a combination too uh, but certainly you deal with different personalities as well. So lots of difficult personalities, but also pretty laid back personalities, guys that are pretty easy to manage and then guys that are a bit more difficult to manage. So, you know, it's just life experience really. And, and I think you get better at dealing with, with difficult personalities uh, as you become more confident uh, of your abilities. Um, but you also, uh, you're aware of a lot of uncertainties or unknowns about, you know, about particular issues, injuries and so forth. And there's, there's lots, we, we always think we can control things, um, but I, 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 I sometimes doubt that, that we can really control it. We can try and risk manage, but sometimes we can't, we can't control things totally as far as, you know, an injury or, or some sort of issue. Um, we can risk manage, and I think that's my job is to risk manage, you know, mm. give, give, give people options, risk manage. Sometimes you, you know, hopefully most of the time you win, sometimes you lose, <laughs> uh, you know, and that just comes with experience. Yeah. Have there been any, well, I'll say athletes, but it could be anyone really that you've experienced and come across that you've just been like, wow, maybe physically, but also from that kind of uh, mental strength side? Uh, I mean, I, I'm not going to name any names, but I, you know, because obviously, do, but I, I've seen some fantastic athletes. I mean, Melbourne Storm at the time when I was playing, uh, where they, they won the, the premiership, they had some fantastic athletes. I mean, these were athletes. Um, you know, Greg, Greg Inglis comes to mind. He was a young, upcoming um, fullback uh, for Melbourne Storm and just, I've never seen anything like it. He was absolutely amazing. So you do you end up seeing you know a lot, lots of athletes, and then you see the the positives and negatives, and you know some some deal with it a lot better than others. And I, and I think uh, you know that's the that's the beauty of elite sport. Mm. Yeah. So I also also got into and the other thing with with the UK, we talk about opportunities. I just want to mention this because I know you're involved in this, Andy, is doing ultrasound and and uh, ultrasound guided interventions and. How I got into that was actually um, uh, I, I, I was actually working because I work in the military as well. I, do, I did some work in the military and I had this ultrasound machine sitting in this room um, doing nothing. And I thought, 
I said to the physio, you know, what's that doing there? And he said, well, they bought it, but no one's using it. And I thought, oh, I'll start using it. And I started using it thinking, oh, I'm not going to use this very often. Uh, and then thinking, actually, you know, this is quite useful. It's allowing me to see things that I wouldn't normally see on, on doing an assessment. And that's where uh, I ended up meeting a lot of the, uh, I call them the, the, the godfathers of ultrasound, John Letty, uh, Chris Myers, who, who you know as well. Um, and and we, we actually started up a group about 10 or 15 years ago, of about 10 years ago, uh, just after I came here, just getting together and doing ultrasound scans. And it's at that time that Chris started his business of, of smug and uh, just, or just starting at the time. And that's how I got into ultrasound and, and, uh, and then it just sort of ballooned from there. And, you know, I've been teaching ultrasound now for um, seven or eight years and, and helping smug and, um, and doing a lot of sort of diagnostic ultrasound, ultrasound guided injection. So, yeah, that's, a, that's the other thing about the UK is in Australia, unfortunately, and I still think it's a lot, like that a little bit, it's a little bit more restricted. Um, and for various reasons, uh, but, but in the UK, um, there's this, this opportunity to explore uh, areas that you wouldn't be able to normally explore in, in different settings. Mm, and so had you not done much, uh, well, education on ultrasound previously? Well, I mean, part of our training in, in sports medicine was to know about ultrasound. So we would see the radiologists do ultrasound, but I, it wasn't part of my training. So I only started training when I came to the UK. So first couple of, I think it was the first year or two, uh, you know, seeing that ultrasound machine in the military and then actually getting, um, you know, getting hold of the machine and starting to practice and, and then meeting up with like-minded people, John Leddy, Chris Myers, Robert Laus, um, you know, that's how it all it basically all started. And, and, and you know, it, it takes many, many years to develop that skill. You, I, I tell the young guys now uh, and girls, um, you know, start early. And I think um, you need to start early because it's a skill that, you know, you, you develop over many, many years and, and you, never, you never stop learning. And I think I think really it's the future of it's an important component of of training in MSK medicine, be it physiotherapy or or, um, or sports medicine or other areas, rheumatology. I mean, it's completely changing the landscape of rheumatology at the moment, as far as diagnostic and potentially also monitoring. So I think I think the sky's the limit with point of care ultrasound, uh, in my opinion. And, and, and also point of care interventions. Um, you know, I'm just starting it now, I'm starting a new clinic in the NHS where I'm doing ultrasound guided interventions. And, and you know, there's a, at the moment, a three to four month waiting list to see, to see someone to have an injection. So we're trying to sift through that waiting list to, and, and it's because I've got that, that skill of ultrasound guided inje injections that I can do those, those clinics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. How do you balance your work then with NHS private? You, I know you've got you're a busy I mean, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I I really like the diversity. So I really like the fact that every day is not the same day. So you know, uh, you know, I, I work. Uh, I'm at the clinic here. This is um, uh, one Welbeck, which is a, a private sports medicine clinic. I'm here Mondays. Uh, I go to the army. I'm working in the army two days a week at the moment with COVID. Um, and then I go to Institute of Sports, Exercise and Health, uh, and then also doing some research and, and then doing the, some, a little bit of NHS work. So it's, it's a variety. And I think that's one of the positives of doing um, 
of working in in sports and exercise medicine is this is this ability to 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 pick and choose where you want to work and i, I think some people say oh well you know you're limiting yourself because sports and exercise medicine really doesn't have its own area of medicine but but actually that's not true and i think the evidence would suggest that um you know conservative management is probably as effective as many surgical procedures so actually what i see in the future is more of a demand for practitioners that have an expertise in 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 managing chronic musculoskeletal conditions so i i don't think there's going to be i mean certainly the military needs that you know chest needs that private uh you know there's, there's demand there for us um private insurance companies see our value um then there's the ultrasound guided um intervention area so there's lots of different areas mm. i think it'll it'll uh, only increase in demand and yeah, on that note, uh, how do you keep up to date with things, especially in the current circumstances of not being able to go to conferences and so on? Has that been harder, easier because it's online? Um, I mean, I think, you know, I, I, I actually, a lot, of the, a lot of my online stuff has been through Twitter. I, I, I actually quite enjoy seeing what people post. Um, I get invited to a lot of conferences and that's really helpful because a lot of those conferences are... Um, often multidisciplinary so you often get to hear other people talk um, which is quite lucky for me at this stage and then I pick and choose sort of conferences that I go to um, at this stage obviously because of COVID it makes it a little bit more difficult but you know important to keep up to date always learning uh, always um, you know learning about you know, I, you know I've been lucky enough to collaborate with some fantastic Spanish practitioners that doing some really great work with muscle injuries and, and tendon injuries and, you know, sonosurgery. And it's just, it's, it's fantastic. Being, mm. And that's part of that is because of being in the UK. If I was in Australia, I wouldn't, wouldn't have that opportunity. Yeah. So what are your plans then? Can you envisage you're going to be in the UK for a while or just see what well, I, 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 I mean, I think I'm not going to go back to Oz. I mean, I think I've got a little place in Spain as well. So, um, you know, that was, that's keep that keeps me in, uh, sane, uh, especially in the in the uh, UK winter. So uh, I think I'll stay here, and and um, I'm not sure what I'm. I mean, I'm just going to continue on with my interest in ultrasound, ultrasound guided interventions. Uh, do a bit more research. Um, you know, I've got some interest in hip and groin as well. So I'm looking at at, at starting up a clinic there. Um, so you know, there's a few few avenues um, I'll be looking at. So. Mm. COVID might give us a bit more of opportunity to do other things. Yeah. And then just going back on terms of the tendons then, was that a particular question? Yeah. Was that the people that you came across that drove that particular initial interest? Well, as I said, I, I, I met up with Hawk and Alfredson and really, I mean, I, prior to that, I was working in, in Melbourne, working with in Alfington and their interest was in tendons because that's where really, I mean, in, particularly in Australia, that's where it all started um, pretty much with the research in tendons. So I had bit of an exposure there which was fantastic um i still remember joel giving a talk in i think it was probably i don't know 2001 or something many years ago talking about you know management of tendinopathy and and i still remember her sitting down and giving us a lecture on it and general principles and so forth um so fantastic experience um and, but then when I moved to, to, to the UK, it was meeting up with, with Alfredson that gave me the opportunity to expand that. And, you know, obviously when you're 
when you're when you're dealing with someone who 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 is really top of their field in that area, it gives you opportunity to then do research and 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 you know look at certain areas that that we see day to day in patients and go, okay, well, why is that? And maybe we should look into that and do some some research on that area or um, and certainly that's that's how it, that that interest developed. Mm, yeah, it's interesting whether whether it's driven by the people you meet or the actual physical interest in the actual body part or uh, or yeah, I, I think it's I think it's just a combination of 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 just just luck really and and the people that you're around at the time and and you get you get moved into a direction that um, I, I I think you just go with it and that that would be my you know if someone asked me what should I do I say just just go with what you feel. If you feel if you feel this is the right thing to do, you know, I always say you always you never regret regret what you've tried. Like if you try something, it fails. Okay, well, you know that's not right for you, but you may regret something that you didn't do because you're apprehensive about it or you didn't want to do it. So I always tell people, give it a go and just see. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. You know, it's not for you. Um, and then you regret trying something and it failing. Yeah. That's no, a good note to finish on. Positive, uh, positive outlook. Yeah. Well, no, thank you very much for that. It's been really interesting hearing about how you uh, came to where you are now. So, um, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Dad. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers.